Welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. I am Ted Desmaison. I am Lisa Rowland. We're we your, are hosts. your hosts. We're your hosts. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've since we've released a podcast, so we're happy to be back. Ted has been traveling Europe, connecting with improvisers, and he was at the Applied Improv Network conference and doing all sorts of exciting things. And so it's been, or this is a reunion of sorts. A, a reunion. I'm gonna. I want to use a different verb. I wasn't just traveling. I was gallivanting. Were you romping, Ted? I actually felt like I was. Were you having a curious romp? It was the very world, curious. The worlds of Europe and improvisation. Very curious, and and maybe we didn't do it in this podcast, but maybe it'll be another one. We get to chat about some of my adventures because there were some great things that happened. But great future podcast. That's future a, podcast. Here's your Ooh. But today, counters, yeah. today we take on something of a of a of a serious topic, mm-hmm. which is inspired by or spurred by some shows that we did at Bex this weekend, entitled "The Bechtel Test," which look at being intentional about telling women's stories. The uh, we start kind of open a conversation about gender, gender, and the the kind of sexual harassment that's been emerging in the improv community over the last year or two years, something like that, and... Or awareness of the sexual aware, yeah. Yes, awareness of it. And, um, yeah. yeah. And our defaults and, and how we can productively question them and change them. And stories, just talking a little bit about what does it mean to confront these histories and dynamics and how do we bring a different kind of attentiveness or carefulness or intention to investigating what we're putting forward in our lives or in our, in our creative spaces. Yeah. So that's what we get into today, and um, you know, hopefully it will be an interesting listen for you as well. Uh, we do a little bit of a warm-up at the beginning, which if we include it, you'll hear it. If we don't, we'll edit this part out. But we also, before we get into the podcast itself, we do want to just give a little acknowledgement. We love the intro music and yeah. outro music we've been using. Ted found this. I found this on a free music site, so it's free license. It's a group called Brasmataz, and the piece is called Township Two Steps. So I just want to give a little shout out to the people of Brasmataz. We love you, and thank you for that generosity, because it's really fun. It's Certainly just... they're listening. Certainly. <laughs> Let's I'm... get Brasmataz on the podcast. That would be really fun. <laughs> if you really know fun. anybody in Brasmataz, <laughs> please send them. Yes. To us, and uh, we'll connect up. Okay. So, so, without further ado, I believe this is episode number... 11. 11. And we'd love for you to, to listen on, so we'll let you get to it. Okay, and we'll uh, catch up on the backside. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, so we're recording now. So, whatever warm-up either of us feels is apropos... Uh, appropriate, good, timely, helpful. Now is now is the time to bring that forward. This, great. Yeah, for this effort. Um, I would be down just to like, oh, can we play finish the word? Oh, yes. You know this. Uh, just explain to me in case. I start a word, you finish it. That sounds great. Then you start <clears> a word <throat> and I finish it. Is there any particular purpose to this game in general? Let's, in the spirit of improvisation, play first and talk Whoa. later. <laughs> so your approach to relationships? Play first, talk later? Uh-huh. Generally. Yeah. I could, I could take a look at that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, 
<laughs> it generally is. It really is, actually. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. Okay. That's generally how it's been. Yep, and uh, let's just go ahead and say, as you'd predict, my approach probably the let's reverse. Let's, talk. <laughs> let's just talk about this before we... <laughs> before anything gets to... Yeah. I just want you to know... I think that's appropriate for our topic today, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> very appropriate. Although, I don't know... <laughs> But it's I don't a, know about that. I mean, it's a good theme. Yeah, but the extrapolation. So okay, here, anyway, here's the game. One of us is going to start a word, and the other is going to finish it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, black, black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Cold train. S- oh, you start. Oh. Piano. Re- Verb. Can and goods. Mo money. <laughs> Am I supposed to repeat what you say, or just kind of come no, in? No, just on it? just take it and finish yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He-man. He row. Your boat. For- Fornication. <laughs> Clean. No. Tacit. Man. Child. <laughs> Tacit man child is not a band name. This way. Stay hey, away from my lawn. <laughs> Catheter. Magical times. (laughs) Elevator. Airplane. Prom. Stone. Kneebrook. Fort. Bragg. (laughs) Planet Earth. We... Squiggly lines. Stall. <laughs> that was it. Stall. Yeah, great. Mm. Kind of stalled out. Next, Next time. Think, think of me. This, this is over. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, I think so too. It's good. Wow. That's really interesting. I'm not sure if I've ever played that with civilians, but it feels like the... the uh, I just love it. I just love, A, I think it practices the, I think there's something good to be gotten out of the speed with which you can get yourself to, to finish the word. Yes. Because I think that has a lot to say about how much you're second guessing yourself and how much you're willing to commit to the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. And you got to be totally pro- present because you can't plan ahead to, because you need the person in front of you. Like I usually totally do this in a circle. Yeah. So it warms up all that good improv stuff. I've never, I've never done it with like an applied improv group. Yeah, it's a nice shared control thing. I've actually been feeling like in my life, mm-hmm. I am taking on more of what we have been talking about in this podcast. Really? Like I'm actually doing stuff. I notice myself doing it. Cool. I may have mentioned to you that I was leading a meditation last week and I got into it and the, the whole thing was I was going to be asking a question to get people to do a reflection mm-hmm. or to have a conversation. And I didn't, I really, I got halfway in. I was like, I didn't think of what question I'm going to ask. <laughs> and then I said to myself, it's okay. Something will be there. Mm-hmm. And that kind of a way of like, just say, start the question and say what comes out. Yeah. And I did. And That's I said, intense. And That's it was great. great. Yeah. I think the question was, I wanted people to explore was, what are you needing right now? Hmm. It was a mindful listening exercise. So one person was going to speak. The other person was just listening and was going to reflect back what they heard and what they witnessed, body language. Great. And then, yeah. So that was the question was, what are you needing, what are you needing in this moment? Yeah. 
but yeah, and I've been doing that in conversations with friends and being bolder in like saying what's true. I, I went on a date with somebody and I just said, you know, hey, I, I'm liking this about you. Mm-hmm. Like, why not tell them that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Oh, I feel that we should report on our agreement, rather our... our Commitment to each other. Yes. From last episode. Yeah, which was to meditate every day and then tell each other when we had. Check in the Accountability Network. Ted did an excellent job of this. Ted did a good job. Ted was motivated. Ted was motivated. Ted is now speaking of himself in the third person, which is a rarity. (laughs) But yeah, that, it flipped a switch for me. It's awesome. Every day. Every day. Um, and some days it was like five minutes. There was one day where I got to the end of the day and I realized I hadn't meditated. I was like, you know what? I'm doing five minutes before I go to bed. Awesome. But then I'd say at least half the days I was doing 20 to 30. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. It's great. It, and it, I feel more grounded, more focused, more, I don't know, turned on than I have in a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, granted, I just had a week, month-long trip to Europe with all these amazing people. Could that have something to do with it? <laughs> that was also great. But uh, impressive that you meditated while you were traveling through Europe. Like, right. that's... Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I felt like... I felt really good about it, actually. And it really did motivate me more to know I was going to send you a text and say, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were really great about celebrating mm-hmm. with that. I, I felt... I felt seen. Yeah, like there was somebody on the other side of that. Yeah, how did yours go? Oh, not, it went differently. (laughs) It went differently. I did not meditate every day. Mm -hmm. I want to say that I did meditate more than I would have. Mm -hmm. And was happy when I could send you a text saying that I'd done it. Yep. And I am still not doing it every day. So as you're going through, how do you feel about that? About the fact that I'm not doing it every day? Either. Or about the, the challenge of it or the accountability project or... Luna, how did you feel about it? This is Luna. <laughs> Luna wants me to be accountable to her for throwing her toy for her. Um, how did I feel about it? I, I liked getting to check in and say that I'd done it. So I, did find, I do find that motivating. Um, goodness gracious. What is up? I feel I feel okay that it didn't that I didn't do it all. Mm-hmm. I feel okay about that. I guess in the same, in the way that that's what we're practicing. That's a very mindful stance to have. Is like, well, okay, well that's that's what that is. Yeah, I could, great. I could do it again tomorrow. You know, um, yeah. That was my hope that it would it would it would remain even in the times of not doing it. It would not get self. Deprecating or self-critical. Or yeah, something. it really didn't. It was like, oh, hmm. Yeah, I, I feel okay that I yeah. haven't been doing it. And and it still feels like it's kind of a part of my life, you know. So I'll do it again. I'll do it another, you know. Great. And when the days that you did it, did you notice a difference? No. Okay. I liked doing it. So just the doing of itself was... The doing it felt nice. Yeah. Sometimes it was hard. I generally feel great just after I've done it. I feel just kind of clear. Okay. Just afterwards. But I was thinking about that, like I because I remember saying, Well, I wonder if I'm meditating more often if I if dealing with the chaos is easier. 
And probably it would be, and I don't think that I did it consistently enough to be able to, to talk to that. Mm-hmm. But I did kind of pay attention to, like, do the days feel different? Like, does the whole day feel different after I've meditated in the morning? And it doesn't. Hmm. For me, yet. Yeah. Or totally so far. Does, totally or, does for me. Or it didn't, or whatever. This morning, I got it. The last two days, partly because of my jet lag, I've gotten up really early for me. Two days ago, it was 5.30. This morning, it was 6.30. Yeah. Got a good meditation, a good stretch, yoga type thing, and... Yeah. It's not even eight o'clock, and I feel like, whoo, yeah, ready to go. So, so here's something: is there were days when I felt like the thing that I had to do. Um, some days I felt like I had to choose between a run and a med- and a sit. And I don't know that that's true, but it was like, okay, if there's one thing I'm going to make happen, it's going to be a run, right? Because I'm tr- really trying to prioritize that. And there were days when it felt like, and generally, I've been running without any music or anything. Like I'm just mm-hmm. running. So in some ways, it feels like. Those became alternative or interchangeable Inter- practices. Yeah, like yeah. okay, I'm I'm gonna, and there were some times when I wrote you and said, I'm, I yeah. just finished a run or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I think and that's I feel great. great when I run. Like when I run in the morning, I am like flying. <laughs> I feel that's cool. awesome. Or when I run just before a show, mm-hmm. I feel great. I feel so great. It doesn't have to be long. Two miles, right? Twenty minutes. Just just get out. Get out and get back and yeah. So let a little. Last week, the last part of my trip to Europe was doing a mindfulness training in York, England, and we were doing a lot of practice because we had an hour each morning and then half an hour before we went to bed, and there's all sorts of practice during the day. But I was reminded of the many different ways to do practice. Hmm. So sometimes we were sitting, sometimes we were walking, sometimes we were stretching, sometimes we were talking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was all practice. Yeah. There were times when I... Well, maybe So maybe I meditated more because there were times when I like chose to... Usually when I eat breakfast, I'll be like checking my phone or reading the news or listening to a podcast. There were days when I just chose to eat breakfast... Love it. ...on my couch just with me and my food. You know, just paying attention to the food. And there we go. Eating it. The textures and tastes and... That counts. You know? So... Go back, redo the ledger. All right. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to keep going forward on this commitment. All right. And me uh, too. Yeah, and if any listeners out there want to let us know if the, you want to take on this, we'll challenge, be your accountability partners. We'll be your accountability. Send us a text. Yeah. And we'll go cool. A text, an email at info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Right. True. Yeah, we haven't given out our text numbers yet. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right. So there's the uh, status report on the meditation meditation, uh, project. So let's broach the subject of today's podcast. Yeah, we will. And I want to put in one little last piece before we get there. Yeah. Which is building on last podcast, episode 10. Yeah. Where we were talking about chaos and like maybe we're just going to start talking without having an organization or... Yeah, we're, we're riding on the edge it. here. We're, do, we're, we're trying doing it, it. We have a vague sense of what we're going to talk about. and We have a topic. We have a topic. We have not talked about the topic. In fact, we decided on the topic, and then we're like, okay, quit thinking about it. That's it. Let's just go. No outline. I ha- I did, did not even... Did you think no, about it? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't write anything down. I don't have any organized ideas. How are you feeling? I feel like we're going to forget things. Oh my God, then what, Ted? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
We'll see. Yeah. We'll get to the end. We'll be like, did we forget anything? I you don't know, know, we always, there's, we've never covered it all. That's true. So today true. will be no exception. Okay. So in any case. As if it were possible to cover it all when we're talking about gender, sexual harassment, <laughs> things in improv. Yeah. Or in general. Impetus for this being this weekend, this past weekend, mm-hmm. you directed a run, a two-night run. Yeah, a weekend of shows. Of shows that were really great. Yeah. That were called the Bechdel Test. They were called the Bechdel Test. And, and they were based on the, on the criteria created by, actually created by Liz Wallace, who is a good friend of Alison Bechdel, a playwright. Alison Bechdel... It made it famous in her in her comic called Dykes to Watch Out For in the 80s. The criteria is for movies. For It was created for kind of works of fiction, asking whether there is at least one scene where women talk to one another about something other than a man. Is there just one scene? This is a very low bar. This is a very low bar. Bonus points if the women have names, yeah. which I think is the stretch. Two women talking to each other about something other than men. Yep. In one scene, in an entire movie. Yeah. Does that ever happen? Does that ever happen? And, oddly enough, most movies, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like the Wikipedia article that I read said that of the movies looked at, half of them passed. Okay. And half of them did not pass. But that half of the movies that passed, granted, this is Wikipedia. Okay, so I did not do this research. Half of the movies that passed, (laughs) half of those passed because the women were talking to each other about babies or marriage. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Yeah, and Which, of the, to me it feels like this is not really passing. And of those, how many were the characters named? And we're still realizing it's still an incredibly low bar. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so these shows that you were doing were so shows, improv shows they, that yeah. were trying to get at the stories of the lives of women. Yeah, basically I got I got super fired up a while back when I heard Gina Davis talking about how women, how and to what degree women are represented in media. And she, when she had kids, got really interested. She created gender, like an institute for research on gender and media or something like that. Mm. So it's researching how women show up in media, especially family movies, movies for kids. Because she's like, we are, through the stories we tell, we are teaching our children what kind of world to expect. And she's where I heard that 17% of crowd scenes in films are women. 70% 70% of the people... In crowds. crowd scenes. In crowd scenes. Or yeah. women. And she, she put it some way of, we are literally showing our daughters a world which does not have room for them. Mm-hmm. And that like struck me, knowing that we learn about the world through the stories we tell and are told about it. Yeah. And we're, we're, the stories that are being told are men's stories, are only men's stories. The vast majority of stories are men's. And that's why, you know, like Blue Orchid a few years ago, when Blue Orchid came out, the Woody Allen film with... The amazing, beautiful actress, Kate Blanchett. Okay. Um, did you see it? Mm-mm. Oh, God. It's a really interesting movie. Kind of a downer. Really beautiful about these two sisters. But when she won an Oscar for it, she said, let this be a message to Hollywood producers that a film about women is not special interest. Like, right. it's not it's not niche. It's, this is, it's these are life. stories that people want to see. Yeah. It's stories about women. And so, anyway... So I'm just like really, I was just like kind of got turned on about that and and decided to direct a show where the only point would be that the main characters are women. Like I didn't want to 
heavy feminist message in terms of what happens to the women. I didn't want it to be like, we're only showing powerful, strong, independent women to show what women can be. It's like, we're just showing women, we're just telling women's stories and, and the idea that doing that in and of itself is a feminist statement. Yes, and the, your story, the stories were also not anti-men. Like you had not two men in each cast, yeah. in the cast for each night. Which I want to say, I feel very strongly about. It was great. That there be men in the cast so that, and because I think it is a ridiculous message to say that, not to say that it's not necessary in some places to carve out a female-only space. Right. But that it's ridiculous to say that the only way we're going to tell stories about women is if there are no men present. Right. <laughs> it's like, I think this sells men short. Yep. And I, and I think ultimately that's not what we're aiming at is female only in order to tell women's stories. It's like, we have mixed casts telling stories about men all the time. Mm -hmm. So why is it that we can't just be intentional about shifting that and say, all right, we're just going to decide. We're going to, because this is not happening very much on its own, we're going to nudge it in the direction. We're going we're gonna to make the decision that these stories are going to center around women. But that there are men in the world, so there should be men in these stories. And what was really cool as an audience member to watch, knowing each of the cast members of Bats Improv as I do, mm -hmm. was watching Dave Dennison and William Hall support these oh, female they characters. They were so awesome. And, uh, and to make cho little choices about... They were strong characters. They weren't wimpy characters. Mm -mm. But they weren't front and center. Yeah. And, and then it really did help amplify what was happening with the women. So, for example, in one scene, Dave was a banker who was giving a female character a loan uh, for her to start a teen youth community, community center. center. Yeah. Um, in another, he was a scientist in the lab that Rebecca Paretsky's character managed. Like, yeah. she was a scientist. She was the boss. And, yeah, she was the boss. And she had all these yeah. kind of, like, grad student types working yeah. for her. And he was one of them yeah. who was really memorable. And lovely, and like, and he he also did a great job of helping to complexify the women. That's so right. like, he he just has such a great brain for details and for allowing there to be different truths about a person. So that you know, just showing another little thing that this person is handling yeah. or dealing with or interacting with, he did. They just both William and Dave did such a great job. William played a um, a father who was struggling with memory. Remember that yeah. scene? Oh, oh so touching. Like Alzheimer's. Like Alzheimer's. He, had, he just couldn't remember his... He could remember he his daughter, but not his... He didn't recognize his son. His he mother. didn't remember that his wife was dead. Yeah. It was like heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And yet it wasn't about him. Yeah. In that scene, it was clearly about the daughter processing what her father was going through. Yeah, and he said he had to remind himself of that. He was like, oh, this is not your story. And I think that's also a really enlightening experience mm -hmm. for people. We had these two talkbacks after the show, which really shocked me at how much of an impact the shows had made on the audience. Mm -hmm. And the, there's been this buzz on Facebook about it afterwards that just has kind of overwhelmed me and surprised me. I did not know that it was going to be this profound for people. And it really, really was. And people were talking about how the, the thing that really struck me was a couple of people said, I didn't know that I lo had longed to see right. women's stories until I saw them and realized how rare it is that I see them yeah. on stage, especially on an improv stage. And it's like it filled a need I didn't even know I had. I wouldn't have known to ask for this. 
but it felt so good to see a life that reflects the kind of life that I have. Strong communities of women and, and people who are showing up for each other in different kinds of relationships that are about the relationships women have with women, not women talking about who one of them is in love with or chasing or flirting right. with or dumped by. Yeah. It's like they have more going on for them than who they're dating. It was really, there was great variety because you had five female cast members and each, on each night, played like three different women. Yeah. So 15 women, like th- over the course of the two nights, we saw 30 different female characters, each of whom had a role, some of whom were funny, some of whom were tragic, some really of whom cool. were cool. It was like cool smart, just making you know. a space for that to happen. It was really great. And see what... And I think in the audience there was this palpable uh, feeling of inclusion or investment. Like people were leaning forward in their seats. And yeah. I was kind of keeping an eye on, you know, I had a little meta thing going on because I was thinking about you and what you're, the project you were doing. But I was also engaged with the shows. And it was quite touching. It, it felt a little bit like doing the show provided a space that people were really needing to explore this. That's right. And I... Would you say you stumbled into that? Yes. I feel like I stumbled into that. Like, had this idea. I was like, oh, this seems obvious. We should do this. And I was really inspired and really stoked to make it happen. But it wasn't It, I, it wasn't like, this is going to be revolutionary. This is going to be really something that people need. Yeah. Like, I did. I stumbled into that. I feel like I take no credit for that part. Like, I created the space. But I, but I did not... It, it's not like, yes, this is what I wanted. Like, yeah. I just wanted to explore it. You See, know? I, yeah, I, from what you've said before, I, I understand that it wasn't part of your vision. And I think that you did have a direct impact on creating it because... Oh, I did have a direct impact. I mean, I created well, it. Well, no, but, but, I, but I mean specifically, and I mentioned this to you before, what I would call the ritual space that was created by the way you did the format. Uh-huh. And so this is kind of... I don't know if this is quite mindfulness stuff, but it's more contemplative practice. But the show started with one at a time, each of three women came up and just started a monologue. They had gotten a a clue word from the audience. So the first night was toothpaste, the second night was surfboard. And so the woman would come up, spotlight on her, and she just would start talking about her life and who she was. and, And then maybe 30 seconds into that monologue, someone else would come out and say, freeze, get some more suggestions from the audience. What is this person wearing? What are they thinking about? What are they concerned about at home? Whatever. And then the monologue would continue. And so at the very top of the show, we got these three portraits. Mm -hmm. And we know we're going to get these characters playing out over the course of the night. We're going to hear their stories, hear what their concerns are. And then at the end of the night, I loved this, that you did this. The conclusion of the show was, again, three monologues with each of the characters and they got to sort of summarize or contextualize what we had seen. It was like, here's the take, here's a takeaway. Mm-hmm. Here's something, here's a lesson. And so yeah, it, like, here's where I'm at now. Here's it, what I've been, what I'm thinking about, or here's what I, yeah. Yeah, what I've learned a little bit. And so because of those bookends, it felt like a ritual. It felt very sacred to me. Uh-huh. And, and so you tapped it, tapped into something, and so the audience had all this emotion, had the stories of women on stage, many women in the audience, mm-hmm. more so than normal, I think. Probably. Um, and, yeah, people were blown away. Yeah. So cool. So cool. So, so cool. And, and so 
what do, what do you think prevents that kind of thing from happening regular nights? I mean, sometimes those stories emerge. Sometimes you all tap into something, especially when you're doing Improv Playhouse of San Francisco. You know, you guys are doing more character portraits and things emerge slowly. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's due, it's too, it's twofold. I mean, I think part of it is that there were five women and two men and we knew it was about women. And I think that did change the tone of it. I think there that, was an intention. There was an intention around that. And, and I think, yeah, so there, so there, that was a difference. Both shows got pretty emotional, not to the exclusion of also being funny and lighthearted and fun but there but there was also some emotional depth and some seriousness to it and one of the audience members asked do you think that this is just what happens when women are telling stories together like does it because women are so emotional um well you know is that what they were asking that's what she because women are more emotional and so of course we're going to see more she didn't say that she said do you think that that's what happens when women are telling stories together like do you think that it goes more emotional so i don't know what what the loading was behind it if any but I also think that the format was specifically not plot-driven. It was specifically, I don't care if anything, quote-unquote, happens in this story. It's mm-hmm. not about creating a goal and an obstacle and getting past it and having helpers and doing, the, you know, like having a change moment. Like, it's, it was never about that. It was about just exploring the world, kind of moving more laterally than, than linearly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of forward, not, not necessarily forward in time, but kind of spread out to see, like, who is in this person's world? The things that I was thinking was like, I want to know who brings out her joy, who brings out her pain, who is she really serious around, who is she low status mm. to, who is she high status to, who does she laugh with, mm-hmm. who is her, like, what's her, who, who's in her life that brings out these different complexities yeah. and shades and nuances. And I think because of that, all of the actors felt like they had time. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And so I, so I, I really wonder how the how the story would change or how the show would feel different if it weren't three women. I still think it would be more emotional. I kind of do too. Because if you're taking that time and there's quiet and there's spaciousness, it's like things settle in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd I'd love to see you use your format, and you know, not have. Not necessarily have that intention, yeah. but I think there's something about what you said earlier that we tend because so many of the stories in our society have been male dominated. Yeah, our brains are conditioned to think, "Oh, that's story, what a story. That's is. what a story is. Yeah. So it needs to have this, and so we kind of go there. Right, life imitates art, imitates life. Right, like it's yeah. So just kind of, what's the default? Um, yeah, and and you know, and the other side of that is not necessarily that women are like, ah, I will help create men's stories, but women see themselves in stories, and they are accessories, and mm-hmm. so they're like, oh great, okay great, so that's my, so I'll get good at playing those, so I'll default to playing those, so I'll, you know, like there's probably one third as many women in any story as men, right, and so I will find a way to tuck in around the edges or be the love interest. Yeah, <laughs> in one of the talkbacks afterwards, William said something like. It was really eye-opening for me to hold myself back and to be playing a supporting role to support these other characters. And I don't know if it was said out loud or if it was just a look, but somebody sort of looked over to him and basically said, "We welcome, welcome to, to my our, world. Welcome to my world." Yeah, he said, "I played a, I played a boyfriend, a dad, and a delivery man." Yeah. And she was like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, this happens a lot. That's how and it it's goes. really important to note that it's not like oppression. It doesn't rather it's not intentional. 
It's not right. men being like, no, women are not important. I want to play. It's this. It's a. It's a system, right? System it's like by a, default. It's a yeah. It's a systemic like issue that we're all a part of supporting, until there are spaces like this where we can be like, hold on, let's try something different, and, and be intentional about those defaults. Take a look at them. And this gets back to what we talked about before about if we find a pattern in our improv work, can we change it? Can we snap it? Yeah. Or in our lives. Right? Yeah. And so this is, again, that interesting overlay of, you know, in improvisation, we're trying to just go with what comes through. Mm -hmm. And yet, maybe there is, when we get to a certain point, we're putting a filter of intention in there, like, ah, not just whatever comes through. You know, in this case, let me serve the woman's story. Yeah. So there... Let me try something else. It's it's not being reactionary. It's choosing from a range of responses. It's, it's I'm, I'm imagining a, like a water filter on the tap that, that aerates it. So it's not just the stream coming through, but it kind of spreads it out and mm -hmm. gives a little more softness. So you yeah. can like choose which water droplet you want to drink. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, fell, I had it. I fell apart there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's something about... Just a little light mindfulness practice overlay of like, what choice am I making here? Let me make the choice that serves my intention. Yeah, this is really interesting. I know this was not on our topic to talk whoa, about. Whoa, whoa. I know. But, but, I, but, but I think it actually goes along with it because when then we zoom out from what is happening on stage to what is happening in our community mm -hmm. and what defaults do we have and what patterns do we notice. And one of the things that really is striking me right now, especially in the Bats community, because the Bats community has gender balance and age spread that is so so different than most of the improv community yes right that we have improvisers that span 30 years and 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 a balanced company right in terms of gender, terms of gender yeah. but we don't have very much racial diversity very little and this feels like okay i notice a pattern and going with defaults means continuing to just kind of do what's easy and what's coming at me. And and it takes a real concerted effort to be like, hold on, how do I serve this intention of, I don't want to just, like, I, I want to try to support uh, fostering diversity, fostering racial diversity and ethnic diversity so that our company looks a little bit more representative, certainly of the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Um and it, and it's hard because it it feels because I think those defaults that we play by and and, and on stage on stage and off stage are but like I'll, I'll go on stage like your default is what feels natural right and so it can feel like that's who you are yep and so going against that can start to feel like well but that's not really my authentic self it's a powerful powerful dynamic to play with yeah and so and, and, and even if so there's the ethnic makeup of the company members but then there's also what stories are you putting up there so could you put you know could one of those women who was in the show in one of those characters have been Carla Martinez well one was Wally Yakamoto Wally Yakamoto but you know her heritage didn't really come out but isn't that okay well, like that, right, can, right. I, I actually think there's a lot of power in having a Japanese American woman who is the star of a story that isn't about her being Japanese. Right. Like, I, that, I that, that was the whole point about doing stories about women that is not about them being women. Yeah. Right? So, so there's power in both ways, right? It's not that we want to whitewash all of our stories and be like, oh, whatever, all, all races and ethnicities are the same, and so we don't need to deal with it. It's not colorblindness or gender blindness, but, uh, but there is something powerful about presenting 
characters who aren't like, ah, Wally Yakamoto, you know, like, ah, because of my intense Japanese heritage. It's like, well, maybe, maybe your dad was Japanese, like third generation immigrant and you're totally American and your name is Yakamoto. Right. And do we need to make a point about you being Japanese in order for it to feel like we're representing a different... Right. You know, obviously, better yet, is if we actually had different identities and stories and colors of players on stage. Right, I mean, you could... So that it's not... It's like such a white space playing at these different... You could say, okay, what if we... Can we put immigrant stories up there? Right. Right. Uh, And so there are themes that tend to show up because of that. And, yeah, It's it's a big old question. And one of the people in the audience at the... In the talkbacks afterwards, ask that question. You know, yeah. I notice everybody up on the cast and the stage tonight it was white. Hmm. Mm. Yep. Or like, yep. He goes, I wonder if we could look at kind of bringing out different stories of different different racial identities and ethnic identities in the same way. And I was like, God, yeah, that'd be great. Amen. But I don't think we could do it with a bunch yeah. of white people playing. <laughs> like. Well, so here's another question for you. Um, so th- this was a little for lack of a better term, gender experiment, like playing around with gender on the improv stage. And this comes at a time in the national improv scene yeah. when a lot of people are talking about sexual harassment, sexual violence within the improv community yeah, and comedy community. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see this as fitting into that in any way? or like? Um, yeah. I do. So what are what are the links? Well, I think that. And just for just for play's sake, I want to spell out L I N X. What are the links? Yeah, it's not an animal. Is that a cat? No, that's L Y N X. Oh, okay. This is just L I N X. Thank you for that. It's just right. what are what are the links? It's important, right? Um, I hadn't conceptualized it as like this is my way of responding to the sexual harassment, like the yeah. the you know, the political the gender political scene of the American improv community right now, um, at all. It was really much more about how women are represented, but I but I kind of think it's part of the same story, you know. Mm-hmm. O- overall, like, yeah, what are our defaults? Right. <laughs> Comedy's a man's world. That means that women are on the fringes, and that means they're not. You know, it's like it's it's that power dynamic is so it just can kind of spill over. Yeah. I do think that that's a little bit why these stories are coming out right now is, is I think the landscape is changing and people are starting to feel empowered mm-hmm. and find community and come out with what's really going on because I think they feel less at the mercy of the system. Yeah. For those who don't know, there have been stories of improv communities in Chicago and New York and Los Angeles <clears throat> Where women were sort of becoming aware of patterns of uh, guys in those communities sexually harassing players, students, company members, that sort of thing, or using quid pro quo favors for getting slots and auditions or that sort of thing. And so far... Yeah, like women having to tolerate sexual advances if they want any stage time and well I don't want to be the lame one who makes a big deal out of this because then I'll be kind of named as the uptight one in this community and there's this value placed on kind of going with it and being you know one of the guys and chill and like hanging with it and being chill and all of that stuff and and yeah, it reached a point where women started talking to each other and was like, wait a minute, you've been dealing with this too? Wait a minute, he's done this to you? 
and it's it's we're not taking it anymore we're going to band together yeah, so, and, and, and well and tell our stories and, and out these guys and yeah. a lot of guys have been ousted mm-hmm. from these improv communities and so it's been a big thing and so now a lot of improv organizations are um coming up with sexual harassment policies as we are at yeah. bats yeah you have been spearheading this spearheading. effort to to Draft up a policy. Trying to trying to get something down to say, you know, let's be a little more systematic about how we're thinking about this. Um, and, you know, so far, apparently, we haven't gotten record of anything so egregious in the San Francisco community yet. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. No, that, for sure. the thing that I, I... We have a very different setup. Especially at BATS. Here. Yeah, especially at BATS. And in, I think in the community in general, although maybe different communities are different, but especially at BATS in that it's not, it's not, people aren't competing for stage time in the same way. There's not the same power hierarchy. And so I think there is a, a different likelihood that those sorts of things happen. Yeah, and the sort of stuff that tends to happen here is in classes students making choices and to make other people feel uncomfortable people, it's like what do we need to say that something sexual there and is now the time and like really like why are you always making this character a prostitute or you are always hitting on me in scenes there's never a scene that we right. can be in is not romantic you know romantically involved in somehow yeah. like please see me as something different right. <laughs> it's possible to play in a different way with me things things like that and that i think is a is a that's an awareness that needs to be raised Mm-hmm. And and tricky because we're improvising and it needs to be okay to play love scenes right. and it needs to be okay to play you know like we we want to be able to play all sorts of things so that including line, villains I think that line is moving I think that line moves yeah. for individuals and yeah. it's different for you than it is for me and it's you know it's so interesting we're also talking about trying to keep an eye on or train or build some consciousness for instructors. So somebody who comes into an improv class, especially an intro level class, is in a pretty vulnerable position of like, oh my gosh, I'm opening up to this way of being creative and I'm being, uh, I'm feeling alive in a new way and I'm confronting my fear of speaking in public or that I could even have a creativity and now... So I'm feeling powerful. Here's this teacher who's giving me this and whoa, I hold them in high esteem and like, okay, well, let's recognize there's that... particular power dynamic happening there and let's discourage you know any sort of people hitting up don't sleep with your students excuse me people hitting on each other there yeah yeah so that's There's, can i just say can I, I just want to give a shout out to jill bernard who is an improviser in minneapolis at huge theater and she wrote a little book called the cute little jill's cute little book of improv i think that's what it's called it's a little yellow book. Oh no, this wasn't from her little yellow book. She did write that book and it's amazing and you should go get it. But this was a a video that I saw her do so long ago. Like some it was like Jill's 3 a.m. musings on improv and she like did sketches and talked and and did all this little YouTube video. And one of the things was don't sleep with people in your improv group. You think you're falling in love with somebody, but really you think you're falling in love with each other, but really you're just spending a lot of time practicing being vulnerable together. <laughs> and it's not the same thing. Wise. And I was like, that's so true. Yeah. It's like we're practicing, we're having this constant experience of going out on limbs and being caught by each other and helped by each other and supported by each other. And that yeah. feels a lot like love. Yeah. 
And and Rebecca Northern did a TED talk about how behaving like an improviser is like behaving like an in love person. Mm. So you say yes to things and you're open to adventure and you support the other person and you're so attentive to them and curious about them and you hang on their last word and you know, like all of these things that you do when you're newly in love with yep. somebody. And it's it's kind of glorious and it's not the same thing. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well I yeah, I think that this effort that we are making and lots of other folks are making too here in the Bay Area and elsewhere is really important work and it's it's going to prevent some some unpleasant things from happening. Yeah. But I, I hope too that it will clear out any skeletons that are in the closet. I mean like again I, I, I wouldn't though I haven't heard of anything happening here at BATS I would not at all assume that there has not been something that has happened to bats. No. That was even egregious. Well, I feel like the world that we live in is like, women are not unlikely to experience something horrible right. like this, that. This stuff shows up. This yeah. stuff shows up. And so why would bats be... Th- this, I think, is... Why would bats be immune immune to that? Right. I, I hate to think about it, and I don't know of anything that has happened, but between student to student or... You know, yeah. TAs or staff members or summer school, whatever. Like, who knows? I mean, who knows? It's a it's a place where people to come together, and are kind of open and. Mm-hmm. And I I don't want to think that anything like that has ever happened to bats. I fear. You know, maybe it happens everywhere. Well, and and if it does, or if it did, I think that there's a value in clearing it out, even though it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm I was telling you about the the school where I used to teach. Recently, um, there had been a report in the Boston Globe of all this sexual abuse that had happened at prep schools in New England. And they had gone through and found these cases. And they hadn't mentioned any at the school where I used to teach. But that school, on its own, said, you know what, based on this report, we're going to go back and go through our records and make sure. And so they went back and found any cases of alleged sexual abuse and researched them, and they sent the note. The headmaster sent out a note to all alums and said, "If you have any stories, please let us know." And they found uh, seven or eight cases, and most of those, the person was fired when that thing came out, and the other person, they were no longer teaching there. But there was one case that an alum wrote in and said, "Hey, this happened. Something happened thirty years ago." To me. To me, with a teacher who is still there. And the headmaster researched it, and the law firm researched it and investigated it. Turned out, apparently, it was credible. And that teacher got fired. Now, that teacher had been at the school for over 30 years, had been the chair of my department when I was there, was a great mentor to me, loving man, amazing teacher, uh, inspiration to hundreds of students. I never saw anything like that. And, in fact, that was the investigation said... We have no reason to believe anything has happened since this. But this was 30 years ago. I don't even know what it was that happened. And so there's part of me, uh, sort of on a blank slate, that says, good. I'm glad we're going through the history and writing, you know, writing some wrongs. Writing or, wrongs that we can still write. Or, addre- or re- addressing them. Redressing some, you know, some concern. Yeah. Like, maybe this wasn't an issue. Maybe it wasn't a big deal. I don't know. My brain, because I love this man and he meant so much to me, means so much to me still. My brain wants to tell me it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And my politics know, well, maybe it was a big deal. And maybe this was tormenting this person 
the student all this time. Right. Who felt she couldn't say anything about it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I think it's healing, but it's also tragic. And it's like, he's not going to get a send-off. He's not going to get, you know, the retirement ceremony. And, and some people say, great, he shouldn't. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's, it's more complex than that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how to sort through that yeah. now. But I think if we went, if we combed through our stuff about it, we felt like, what if we found out one of the people who's been around for a long time had done something had horrible done something, you know? in 1987. Right. They're not that person anymore, and yet... So it's... I mentioned this... It's also be- not an educational institution. I mean, it's... It's not an educational institution. It's a little bit different. Sure. It's not high school students. <laughs> there are some differences there. No, and they're big ones. Um, but I mention it because I think that there's some oh, aspects yeah, to... It's close at home. It's... Say again? No, when it hits close to home, it's really hard to like... Yeah. No, that can't... Don't mess with my understanding of what my community is. What my world is. I think that there's some aspect of mindfulness practice or self-interest, self-inspection that does this. Like when we stop and we pause and we say, let me really look. Let me honestly look past my, the stories I've told about myself, past what I want to believe is true about mm-hmm. the situation. Let me take a real, honest, clear, insight look at what's happening I might discover things that are really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out how to sort through that and make peace with it. And so this this movement in the improv world as a whole is like... Has that this, ever happened to you? I'm not asking you to dig into details, but like, have you ever taken a look at yourself and been like, oh, God. Yes. I have supported this thing or been in this way or whatever that I do that is an ugly way. Yeah, there was a... Um, there was a friend I had in high school, and we had a crush on each other, uh, and had this kind of giddy romance, and I was really, I was more experienced sexually, and so I was kind of leading our forays, and and I think at one point we, not I think, I know, at one point we went farther than she wanted to go. And it wasn't like I was being absurdly, I wasn't being violent. No. But I wasn't being attentive either. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it just felt fun. Like, wow, that was great, and I'm so excited. And But whatever we were sharing quickly ended after that incident. Mm. And I didn't peg it to that. And years later, I realized, oh my gosh, she was probably really scared and really uncomfortable and really unhappy with what happened and had no way of saying or doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have wanted to go back to her and apologize since then. I mean, I had this realization, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, mm-hmm. maybe 15. And I haven't been able to contact her. Like, she hasn't come to any of our reunions. She's not on Facebook. She's not... Can't find her. Can't find her. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was one of those like, oh, you know, and I was the spokesperson for the Rape Education Project when I was in college, and I've always been interested in and aware about and trying to work on sexual violence and men's relationships and male desire and how does that play out in the world in a safe way or not, and to go back and realize like, oh, I don't like that, Mm -hmm. you know, 
this was a, a friend, somebody who trusted me, and I did something she wasn't, she didn't like, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that because I haven't talked to her about it, but yeah. it's something that I feel like I want to apologize for. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance to yet. So I feel like this this larger movement is in some way, it's preventing future things, bad things from happening, and it's saying we're going to choose to relate together differently, and it's also an effort to kind of go back. Do you think it is? I mean, do you think it bats? Do you think that, like, at, at your school, there was a specific a effort. There effort, was, right. let's go after it. So do you feel like there's going to be, that's going to be a part of it? Or do you think it's going to be, we are just creating a an environment in which these things are being talked about and there's a system for addressing them and that means that if there's something somebody's hanging on to, they'll come forward. The uh, mindfulness teacher Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Zen monk, talks, he's talking about the present and the future and why we should, I mean the past and the future and why we should focus our effort on the present. He says, if you touch the present deeply, it takes care of the future and it make sense of the past Hmm. and I feel like what we're doing now is we're trying to make a commitment to how we are how are we in this moment together how do we treat each other and by paying attention to that we're setting ourselves up to have a better more caring more egalitarian future Mm -hmm. but we're also making space for anything that needs to come through this isn't necessarily our intention but by taking care of the present in in better more caring fashion it makes space for anything that's un unfinished from the past to come through and get its due mm-hmm. yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if something comes forward yeah in the space we're making that's interesting you know like your show this weekend you yeah. know, it's making space for a different kind of story yeah you know that yeah. somebody might come forward and then we'll have to wrestle with that that's, uh, you know, it's not exactly the uplifting episode here. <laughs> Very important. But it's important. And, yeah, I mean, it's not... Uh... <laughs> and I think it's so important to be looking at this. And the, you know, it's maybe too late to mention this, but I'll just say, like, um, you know, I'm reminded of those, like, Buddhist communities and places where, where gurus abuse their power. And in the same way where when this whole like sexual harassment scandal hit the improv community, it's like, wait a minute, we make a job of supporting each other. What is this? That's right. Not here. That can't happen here. Like we're a good, we're family to each other. And I think that that, it feels the same way, right? In these Mm -hmm. like spiritual communities where it's like, wait a minute, like you can't be corrupt. We all follow you with our spirits and our souls. And I, and I think. the same thing in a boarding school. Yeah, right, where it's like, we're each other's families. We're, we're a tight community, we're, yeah. And I, and I guess that's what makes me realize, like, this could happen anywhere, and the mindfulness piece comes in like, okay, well, let's deal with what is true. Mm-hmm. Let's notice when we're telling ourselves stories about what's happening and when we're not, and what stories those are, and and have the courage to know that we'll be able to handle what comes up if we touch the present deeply, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Well, then let's really engage with what is happening. And there is something comforting in that. That like I have the courage that if I'm actually willing to look the present in the face, and sometimes that means looking the past in the face. I think. And so I think we're coming around full circle here. I mean, this is why we. That's part of why I practice. 
you know, why I try to sit every morning mm-hmm. is so that I have the resilience and the wherewithal and the emotional buffer to be able to say, okay, let me look at what's real. Mm-hmm. Let me take account of it. Maybe be accountable for what's real mm-hmm. and shape it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Ted own. Lisa Rowland. Signing off. So, so we go forward. Thanks again for listening, people, and until uh, the next time. Mm-hmm. Later. people that is your podcast number 11 monster baby it's a wrap i think that the no plan plan went very well you my, liked it my, i liked it a lot how did you like it uh it was fine i feel it's interesting i feel like i, I figured this was going to be the case because of what we were talking about and because of what you had done your show this weekend yeah i think you spoke more than i did uh-huh. today so there wasn't as much back and forth as we usually have yeah and because of our topic, it wasn't as bouncy or playful yeah. as we have been in the past. Totally fine. But yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I... <laughs> Ted is unsure. Yeah, there's this... <laughs> I kind Ted, of wish I had like... Ted is sure we forgot something. Three things I wanted to say. Or like, yeah. Yeah, just like a little like, oh, here's an insight. Yeah, like to craft it a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. So it was a little bit of an edge, but... Yeah. Yeah, if well, you... Well, you know, Ted, there's nothing that says that in future podcasts, you can't come up with your own little set of bullet points. Right. And not tell me about them. I don't want to know about them. Right. If you have your, like, I don't want to miss this, you go for it. Yeah, and... and as long as you can also let the conversation... I would, I would really be curious if any of our listeners heard a difference. You know, did this feel more organic or did this feel... You know, were we straying a field and just kind of scattershot? I, I don't think so. <laughs> just you know we wandering did, like, through we, the wilderness we went into kind of a, a we, we tipped or we dipped our toe into the world of the questions around race in improv and diversity in improv racial diversity in improv and ethnic diversity in improv uh which which we were we had not talked about doing but but just showed up there mm-hmm. and i liked being you like able, it i liked being able to bring it up she know? likes it i liked it yeah i thought it was fun it just felt like a conversation okay to me. Yeah. Anyway, we hope you liked it. And if you want to get in touch with us, info at monsterbabypodcast.com or if you want to say something specific to Lisa, it's lisa at monsterbabypodcast.com. That's right. And you guessed it. You can email Ted at ted at monsterbabypodcast.com. We uh, expect to do a a listener mailbag episode at some point soon but we need to get more mail but we need to get more mail we've got a few send us an email (laughs) tell us what you think tell us how you're integrating this in your life and we'd love to put you on our mail bag episode yeah don't do it for the glory just you know but you might get some glory you might get some glory (laughs) so we love you and thank you for listening and uh keep keep on keeping on we'll see you next time all right ciao ciao